0: You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. I want to invite you just to have a, a, little, uh, just a little solitude time. If you just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, let's pause and let's, let's remember why we're here. Let's remember who brought us here and whose we are. And we've invited the Holy Spirit to be here amongst us. And I'm going to invite him now to be into this message and for you to receive what he desires so that you can apply what he gives you today when you walk out of those doors and share the goodness of God with others. It's my prayer for you today to have God's love and along with all the saints of God That you would grasp how wide and deep and far and long is the love of God through Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. And that's the song we just sang as well. To remember that. How high and wide and low and high and far is the love of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Sweet, sweet spirit, come. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome, Holy Spirit. You may open your eyes. There's a little girl. First day of school, she's living up north, and it's a cold day. And she's wearing her brand new white mittens. She's got on her brand new fluffy white earmuffs she's wearing her brand new white beret and she looks good she shows up on the first day of school she gets there and they're outside on the playground this little mean boy comes up and, and grabs her beret and her earmuffs pulls them off her head and throws them into a mud hole and stomps on them. the little girl doesn't cry she doesn't complain she doesn't punch the little boy She just watches. The teacher sees all of this happening, and of course, she disciplines the little boy, and after she's finishing up with him, she goes to the little girl, and she says, I'm so sorry about your earmuffs and your beret. And the little girl said, It's okay. It's all right. I just need to take a day off and tell that little boy about God. That's what the little girl said. She said, I just need to take a day off and tell that little boy about God. As far as that young girl was concerned, everything that was wrong with that little boy could be made right if she could just tell him about God. What's so important? Why is it so important for us to tell others about God? About what God has done through Jesus Christ? What did that little girl know that maybe you and I as sophisticated adults, have forgotten. Let's begin here. God's most earnest dream that every one of his children would know the joy of his fellowship forever. Every one of his children would know the joy of his fellowship forever. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what the cross and the empty tomb are all about. It's not about God's will that any of his children would perish He doesn't want them to perish. He wants them to have eternal life. He wants every one of his children around the globe to know about his son, Jesus Christ. And he's given us, his people, that responsibility of sharing the good news, the gospel, with the world. There's no other clear message in the Bible than this. God's desire is to have fellowship, to have a relationship With all of his children, not that you just know about him, but that you would know him through his son, Jesus Christ, that you would have an intimacy with him. It's said that humanity has this insatiable hunger for God. There are people right now walking outside. There are people working. There are people at home who have this longing for God and they don't even know it. They just have this void and they're struggling Humanity hungers for God you remember that psalm as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul you longs for you or pants for you my God but the supreme mark of our greatness is undoubtedly God's search for humanity in the first passages of the Bible we read Adam where are you oh Adam where are you God's calling, He's looking for Adam in the very beginning, and that searching continues throughout the Holy Book. Of course, the ultimate symbol of that search is the cross of Calvary. I don't know if you've ever heard of Major John Foote, he's a famous chaplain, and I've studied him. Foote was the chaplain with the Canadian forces during the Second World War. On August 18, 1942, Major Foote went ashore with his troops in the great commando raid of Dieppe. The losses were staggering due to so many deaths and people getting annihilated. The Com- Canadians, they were just unable to evacuate from the town. So they were left behind. All these soldiers were left behind. But because he was a major and he was a chaplain, Foote was personally escorted out to a small boat so that he could withdraw. When he was aboard that small boat, which would have taken him to a larger craft and back to England, he remembered that there were still thousands of Canadian forces still on the streets and the docks in harm's way he knew that they would be captured that they would be tortured and shot perhaps put into prison war camps he knew that they would need all the encouragement they could get to face the future and so without thinking twice he knew he was the only chaplain he jumped out of that little boat and he swam back to that town without hesitating he did that he deliberately went back to be with the men That were without hope. He brought them hope. He spent three years with them in a miserable Nazi prison camp. Now we would applaud Major Foote for his courageous compassion. But he was just following the example of his Lord. That's what he was doing. He was doing what Jesus would do. God's desire is to bring all of his children home. It's so great that he gave his only son on the cross at Calvary. That is the first answer to the question of why it's important for us to search out others, to reach out to others who don't know Christ and bring them into relationship with him. So this second answer is to be found in our scripture lesson from today, from the opening chapter of the book of Acts. The setting is a place called Olivet. The resurrected Christ is making his final appearance to his disciples before his ascension with his father. Here's his final instructions. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, the coolest thing happened, y'all. He was taken up before their very eyes. I can imagine it now. I don't know if there was music, but it's Jesus. He could do whatever he wanted to do. Can you imagine? In the clouds. Look at me. You know? It's gotta be really cool to be there and watch that. And at the same time, your disciples, no, Jesus, don't leave. It's like that commercial when when the the parents leave the grandchildren with the great-grandparents, and they're like, don't leave the baby. You know, Jesus, don't leave us. What are you doing? There he goes. Into the clouds. There he goes. That's what he says. That's his last instructions. You shall be my witnesses. Here, my friends, is the main business of the church. And that's what we're talking about. What's the main business of the church? It's not having coffee and donut holes and how comfortable things are. you got to face it. Some of you are in here today saying, man, I can't stand the fact that the bathrooms are downstairs and i got to go downstairs to go to the bathroom. I don't like that. You want to know something? Guess what? Here at Mystery Creek, we found out that it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And if you got to go downstairs to go to the bathroom, so be it. At least we got a bathroom. We could have a porta potty set up there that's been sitting in the hot sun all day long. How would you like that? Okay, for those of you who exercise and walk sometimes, if you're at a park, you know you've used that porta potty before, haven't you? You don't tell anybody, you're like, nobody's looking, I'm going to go in there. Hope they got a hand sanitizer. You know? I speak from experience, but at least. We're here together for a common cause and purpose, and that's to be equipped to be his disciples, to spread his word and take it out there into the world, to all the world. The main business of the church here it is to witness to the love of God made manifest in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to listen. To what I'm going to say next. And these notes are in your, your insert today if you want to follow along. But I want you to remember what you're going to hear next. This is foundational. If you're teeter tottering on whether you want to be a part of this worshiping community, I think this will help you make the next move, the next step in your relationship with Christ and this beautiful congregation. Here it is We as a church do not exist for our own pleasure or for fellowship. We don't. I know you enjoy being here. We have fun. We've got great fellowship. We've got great relationships. That's all good. But that's not the reason we exist, okay? We're not simply a social service institution, okay? We're not simply a social club. We can gather together, and you've got this group of people and this group of people and these group of people. We are one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body together. That's who we are. I want you to hear this clearly. We're not anti-gay, and we're not haters of anybody. We love all people. All persons are of sacred worth and deserving of God's grace. I want you to hear that clearly. We are the body of Christ. We are reaching out with loving arms to the world and not judging them. We're just reaching out with loving arms to the world to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's so easy to forget who we are and what we're about. It is, but we must, as we began the service, as I began my message today, rely on the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. We must. We want to be a church that defines our culture. We do. We do not want to be defined by what's out there. We don't want to be defined by the culture. We don't want the culture telling us how we should be and what we should believe. We want the culture to be defined by the church, by God's truth, by God's word. He's the author, creator, perfecter, pioneer, sustainer of our faith. Nobody else is. Only he is. He's the authority. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's eternal. He's real. His word never changes. He remains forever constant, forever the same. He's the mighty healer. And he just so happens to be wounded. And he too, like many of you, has scars. He's been hurt. He's been belittled. He's been homeless. He's been spat upon. He's been made fun of. And you thought you were the only one. Your Savior, your Messiah, the King of the universe, went through the worst criticism, ridicule, and death that you can ever fathom for you. You. That was done for you, and if there'd just been one of you—just been Jim Redovian or Stephen Street or Richard Brown or Bethany Jackson—he'd have done it. You understand me? We love all sinners, but we do not love sin. We do not love sin. Matter of fact, I would say we hate sin, but we love all sinners. And if we don't love all sinners, then we don't love ourselves. And I don't love you. We're all sinners. If you have no sin and you've never sinned, you're welcome to leave now and go ahead and join eternity. If you're that perfect and you can walk like that and that's who you are, so be it. But there's nobody. Nobody but one. The three in one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There you go. Make sure you're awake and paying attention. We are a Trinitarian church. It's important to remember that. The church, the church is called, folks, to help the sinner please God, not the other way around. And if I had my phone, I'd be putting that in my phone. That sounds good. I'm going to use that in my devotion tomorrow. I'm going to put it on Facebook. Remember, it's okay to have an unpublished thought on Facebook, by the way, just saying. But if there's something profound that can change or transform a life and lift someone up and not throw them into the ditch, then put it out there if it's good. But most of what you see nowadays, it's not that great, is it? Matter of fact, it's depressing, so let's be different, and let's put things out there that are transformational to understand that we are called to help the sinner please God. We love you as you are, but we do not want you to stay that way. I believe here at Mystic Creek that however you come in, who you are at that moment, if you will surrender to the Lordship of Christ while you're here at this moment, that you will not be the same person when you exit those doors, that God is working on you, chipping away at the old you so that the new you can come forth and that inside reality can become an outside reality so others will see Jesus in you and no longer see you. That's what we believe here at Misty Creek. We love you just the way you are, but we don't want you to stay that way. The goal is complete transformation. I mean, Paul says it beautifully to the Romans. He never made it to Rome, by the way, but he he wrote letters to them. He says this, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your form, your act of worship, living sacrifices. But then he says something that's really transformational. He says, be ye therefore no longer conformed to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's perfect, pleasing will is for your life. Don't conform to the world, no matter how tempting it is. No matter what you see, you're tempted every day, aren't you? When you're out there on the computer, on your social media platform, to order the next gadget, you know, this miraculous thing that massages your feet, lose 10 pounds in 30 seconds. You know, it's like. Do you really think that if that was true, it would be on the news, the FDA would be approving it? No. Be careful. And understand that some of those pills that you guys order, the same ingredients in those pills are the same ingredients in your fiber pills. Be careful. Read and learn. Because the deceptions out there, even in the smallest forms, and if you begin to be deceived in the smallest way, you'll be, de- be deceived in larger ways eventually. I'm going to get to that in just a few moments. So the goal is transformation. We want you to experience the transformation and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And some have even said to me, I never really knew the Holy Spirit until I started attending Misty Creek Community Church. I really never experienced it. Well, it had been there all along, but I was afraid of it. I thought it was some kind of force. Well, it is a force. I thought it was an it. Well, it's not an it, it's a he. The Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit is real just so happens. I know everybody will be out of town on May 30th, but that's Pentecost. I'm going to preach on that very thing, the Holy Spirit being your comforter, your advocate, your friend. Oh, it's going to be a lively day. You thought today was lively? Just get ready. Start preparing you now, preemptive preparation for Misty Creek Community Church and what's going to happen. So transformation, power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Our primary goal, here it is, it's, it's, it's paramount. Our primary goal is for everyone to accept Jesus Christ and not just make that one-time commitment, but they immediately begin serving him and being discipled and growing. That's why it's so important, and this is one of our primary focuses on being a member, is to be engaged in a small group, in a community group, in a Bible study, a prayer group, whether that's virtual or in person, I'm really encouraged. Tomorrow night, tomorrow evening, our men, we've got around 30 to 40 men attending our men's Bible study now. And we did a study on the Holy Spirit. Now we're doing one on the Beatitudes and how Christians can change the culture. It's been a great study. Tomorrow night, we're having a crawfish and shrimp bowl. Woo! You know? And we're going to finish out the series eating some Cajun food and having some Tums. It's going to be magnificent. It is. Take your tongues beforehand, at least an hour beforehand, and then about four afterwards. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay? So it's going to be a thrilling time. But what I've seen the connection that we have and the growth that happens from those groups. It's, there's, there's nothing like it. And to be discipled, to receive Christ and then become discipled, have someone mentor you through this process, this faith journey, because you're going to need it. To know Jesus as Savior. Trade the pursuit of more for a life worth pursuing. The culture is saying, get more, get more, get more. Get a bigger house, get a bigger condo, nicer car, nicer clothes, bigger spot on the lake, bigger boat, bigger this, bigger that, bigger this. And Jesus is saying to you, trade that in for a life worth pursuing. How about go and make some lunches for the homeless? How about volunteer and go and make some lunches for the children's camp? Sandy Springs Mission. How about go and reach out to your neighbor who's hurting? And now that things are starting to open up, how about go and visit someone who's in assisted living care or in the hospital, taking a meal to someone? These are all things you can be doing. That's a life that's worth pursuing. Hmm. I don't expect you to be like me or to be like Doug or to be like the folks in this faith community. We want you to be like Jesus. That's who we want you to be like. Our goal is to help you get there. Our mission is to love God, love people, and make disciples. You heard Valerie say it last week in her video, she and Steve. She knows the mission by heart. Do you? Love God, love people, make disciples. But you want to know something? Our culture, this culture that we, we live in, It encourages us or encourages those who don't like the truth or don't know the truth, just make up your own. That's what the culture encourages. If you don't like it, make it up. Just make it up. I would say to you that rather than making it up and when you're uncertain about the truth, that you draw near to Jesus, that you lean in to Jesus and his word even more. I believe God is saying that. Come to me. Jesus is saying, come to me, all of you who are burdened, all of you who are struggling and heavy laden. Come and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give you rest for your weary soul. So lean into him. I know that might be difficult at first. Because you got a lot to bring with you, that's okay. Because as you begin to lean into him, he will begin to heal you and restore you and help you get beyond all this stuff from your past that keeps paralyzing you and drawing you back like a force field, pulling you. That's what the culture's doing. It's teasing you with all sorts of things to draw you in to the the deceiver. Yeah, there's the deceiver out there. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. To draw near to God in boldness, you must embrace the whole gospel. You must. You can't separate it. You can't piecemeal it out. Embrace the whole of God's word. Leave nothing out. You know, after ministering to teenagers and young adults for nearly 30 years, and I'm still doing it, here's the overarching message of what's being taught and believed in our culture today. Are you ready? I'd be writing this down, too. If it feels good and doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. If it feels good and doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. That's the same thing my dad warned me about when I was in high school. He did. It's the same thing that I warn kids about today. You know? It might feel good at the moment, but there are consequences. And that few seconds in the backseat of the car, that few seconds putting that needle in, that few seconds snuffing that in, that few seconds of someone hazing you can cause your death or can ruin you for the rest of your life. But that's the culture. The culture is baiting us to take it to the limit. If it feels good and doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt anybody if I just look at this real quick. and just look at this image here. Nobody's going to know. And when your marriage loses all intimacy and there's no connection anymore, that's the consequences of looking at that inappropriate image or video. When you can't think straight to be present for your kid's ball game, or graduation because you're hammered, that's the culture baiting you. Keep doing it. If it feels good, do it. It drowns all my problems. If you've got an addiction, if you've got an issue, God has placed people on this earth to help you, to counsel you, to go through that with you, and give you the tools needed to overcome that addiction. And whatever it is that's separating you from God, your family, and even yourself. This go-ahead-and-do-what-you-want-to-do doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anybody is called cheap grace. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, wrote a whole book about cheap grace. Let's refuse to cheapen God's grace. Water it down. Take advantage of it. Well, he loves me and he's forgiven me so I can do whatever I want to do. And I'll ask for forgiveness at the end where I'll start living a, a life that I need to live when I'm older or more responsible. That's cheap grace, folks. Let's never sell out the word of God for the sake of public opinion and to make everyone feel good. Let's not sin just so we can feel good. Instead, let's tell the true, authentic story of Jesus and how he set us free to be who he created us to be. You know, Jesus told his disciples to watch out that no one deceives you. He did. He warned them. And I know that's more about the second coming, but really, he's saying there's there's only one way to prevent the great deceiver from having influence in our lives. You want to know what it is? We are to focus on Jesus' truth, his words and the gospel. That's it. Through his truth, the word, and the gospel, he came to personify, proclaim, and die so that we would never be separated from God. That nothing in life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Jesus. That's Him. That's the Christ that you and I serve. That's an optional story I wasn't going to tell, but it's, a, it's, it's here in Atlanta, so I need to tell you this story. Um, Paul Kahn, he's a, he's a local um, writer. He has a book called Making It Happen. He gives this humorous and yet tragic example of, of a church that was not really authentic, he said that one day while he was living in Atlanta, he was flipping through the Yellow Pages. There were people that used to do that. You don't even know what a Yellow Page is anymore, these young people. And in the listing for restaurants, there was a place called the Church of God Grill. You ever heard of it? The Church of God Grill. He said, oh, the Church of God Grill. He said, that's cool. I'm going I'm to call. And so he dialed the number because he was curious, and a cheery voice answered, hello, Church of God Grill. And Con asked the man on the other end how the restaurant had been given its name. The man said, well, we had a little mission down here, and we had church, and we started selling chicken dinners after church on Sunday to help pay the bills. Well, people liked the chicken so much that we did a great business that eventually we stopped doing the church services. After a while, we stopped doing all mission, and we just started serving the chicken dinners. And people love the chicken dinners. We kept the name that we started with. That's the Church of God Grill. Now, my friends, I know that makes you laugh, But it can also make you cry. How easy it is for the church to forget its number one business. And that's sharing the good news of God with the dying world. Our number one priority is helping God's children find their way home. Our primary reason for existence is to be lights in a world darkened by fear, hatred, and evil. It's God's most important, earnest dream and desire that all His children enjoy fellowship and relationship with Him forever. Therefore, the task of the church is to be his witness, inspiring and inviting all persons to become part of his family. If we forget that, we might as well do like the Church of God grill and lay aside our worship and stick to frying chicken. We don't really fry chicken anymore, but boy, do I like fried chicken. (laughs) Remember Grandmama? Used to do it in a big old black cast iron frying pan with real grease and fry it. Now we know what everybody does. It's Bojangles, which we don't have many in Atlanta anymore, or Popeye's or KFC. We do more than fry chicken, folks. And when my grandmother would fry her chicken and serve it on Sundays, she did more than just make the chicken. She shared her story about Jesus and how Jesus had set her free. Even though she was battered and abused as a woman, she never, never lost focus of her Savior. And she shared her Savior with me over fried chicken and chicken bog, Sally. And green beans seasoned with bacon fat. Anyway, and biscuits. Got to, leave the, got to put the biscuits in there. And so his, his dream is that we have fellowship with him forever, not just fried chicken. Reminds me of a, a local movie company that they were setting up this movie set. It was a gas station on the highway in California. It was a makeshift gas station. It wasn't real. It was a set. The filling station, though, it looked so realistic that people passing by would stop their cars to buy gas. So a couple of the stagehands decided to have a little fun when the cameras weren't running. Whenever unsuspecting motorists would pull up to the false station, the stagehands would act like they were filling up the car with gas. Then they would tell the motorists that because of a special promotion, the gas was free that day. The motorists would drive out of the station with a big smile on their face, probably stayed right there until they realized they were out of gas. They ran out of gas. For me, I just look at the gauge. But anyway, we are like that movie set gas station if we as a church forget who we are and what we are about. But there's one more thing to be said if it's God's most earnest dream and desire to have his children come home to him and if it's the church's main task to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, doesn't it mean one more thing? Doesn't it mean that you and I have a ministry of sharing the good news with our family, our friends, our neighbors, the people we work with, basically anybody that we come in contact with? It's so easy to say that it's the task of the church to reach out to the world. So often, what we really mean is that that's the minister's job. They're supposed to do that. I heard a humorous story recently about an Episcopal priest whose wife was in the hospital for a minor surgery. He decided to stop in and see her on one of his regular hospital visits. That's a good idea, by the way. There he stood chatting with her in his clerical collar. Then he gave her a long, like, passionate kiss on the lips Before he left the room, the lady in the next bed stared in disbelief, then said to the wife, you know, I've been a faithful Christian all my life, but my pastor doesn't treat me like that at all. (laughs) Can you imagine? My goodness. Is that his tongue? My Lord, you know? Such little misunderstandings in life can make us chuckle. I know it. Did he just say that? But it is frustrating It's frustrating to every pastor that many lay people have this gross misunderstanding about the business of the church. We are called, every one of us, to be witnesses, to be ministers of the gospel and tell our story. You're just as much of a minister as I am, as Doug is. You are. I had a young lady. She's here today. She said, nobody ever referred to me in all my life as being a minister, but you are. If you're sitting out there, you're you're a minister of the gospel, and you're called To share the good news, the whole gospel with others. Not part of it, but all of it. All of you are ministers. Isn't that something? Every one of us. None of us are exempt. No one's too too old, too young, too busy, too restricted, too sophisticated, too common. In a hospital bed, on a golf course, we can be witnesses of the love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. Always be witnessing and sharing the love of God, even on the golf cart, even on a hike, to be sharing the love of God. Someone has noted that of the 40 persons who were healed by Jesus in the New Testament, there were 34 who were either brought to Jesus by friends or Jesus was taken to them. Only six came to Jesus by their own initiative. Our task is As individual Christians, remains today to reach out to persons in Jesus' name and to bring them to the one that can satisfy all their needs. There are untold numbers of people that Jesus healed. We don't know the exact numbers, we just know the ones that are reported in his public ministry. There were so many miracles and things that he did, so many healings that he did that weren't even reported. He did so much for others. He never leveraged his power for his advantage. He was always looking to see where there was the greatest need. If he walked into a room or he was outside or in someone's house, he didn't make it about him. He was looking to see who was in need, who was struggling. That's what I mean by making a, a life. Making a life is not about earning a paycheck or what things you have. It's about responding to the needs of others. And sometimes the needs are right under your own roof and you don't even know it. You're helping everybody else out, commenting on everybody else in a positive way, affirming everybody else, but yet you never say to your spouse, I love you. Thank you for what you do. Very rarely do you say to your children, except when they do something bad, I'm proud of you and how you've come a long way. See what I'm saying? That's having the vision and the mindset of Christ, the attitude of Christ. President Jimmy Carter in his book, Why Not the Best, describes in a moving way, a humbling experience in his own religious pilgrimage. At one time, he was proud, he says, that he made over 140 visits over a 14-year period responding and representing to his church to tell persons about Christ. 140 visits over 14 years. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? And then he says, in 1996, his campaign for governor, in a three-month period, he shook over 300,000 hands in order to gain the vote for president. He writes, this is Jimmy Carter, the comparison struck me. 300,000 visits for myself in three months and 140 visits for God in 14 years. Now, of course, Mr. Carter belongs to a denomination that emphasizes personal evangelism, But on this Ascension Day, as we remember the very last instruction that our Lord gave to us, shouldn't we be conscious of our own responsibility to witness for Christ? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Christ said in his final commission to his disciples, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There was a study done of a rapidly declining denomination. By the way, do you know that 80% of congregations in the United States today are either declining, dying, or they're already dead. Did you know that since the pandemic began, that 1500 pastors are leaving the ministry per month? Did you know that 3,500 Christians, followers of Christ, are leaving the church per month. Do you know, out of a thousand pastors' spouses that were interviewed and asked the question, Would you like for your husband to do something else or your wife to do something else? 810 of them said yes. Yes. Do you know, a thousand. Pastors per month since the pandemic are taking their own life. George Barna Statistics. It's kind of sad, isn't it, when you think about it? Has the church lost its focus? Is there consequences when you compromise and piecemeal as gospel? When you forget the truth or you just don't want to teach it anymore? Or you want to succumb to the world? Some of the fastest growing churches and largest churches that started succumbing to the world and making the church more like the world are the ones that are dying now, that are closing their doors, that have faced all kinds of ridicule, illegal things happening within those congregations, not just with the pastor either, because they lost their focus. People, after decades of teaching and, and listening to a message being preached that wasn't the gospel, are now saying I don't really know anything about Jesus I don't really have a theology I don't really know the truth so I guess I'll just make it up that sounds good you see what happens when we water down the gospel and we don't teach the truth of God's Word it's not good is it not good at all so in this particular denomination discovery was made that on average, members of this huge denomination invite a person to worship once every 28 years. That's why the church is dying. I invited somebody. I invited one person in 28 years. Can I ask you something that's going to step on your toes? Oh, he's stepping on my toes. When's the last time you invited somebody? When's the last time you shared Jesus Christ? I mean, shared Jesus Christ with somebody else. If that's your purpose, should we be doing that like every day, all the time? Well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary, Stephen. I'm just an average Joe. And maybe you are literally Joe. But you're not average. You're supernatural with the power of God within you. And so he will give you the words and the story to tell. He's writing your story. You may think you are. But he's writing it. And when you let him fully have your life, he will write the most beautiful story wounds and scars and pain and all. And he will show you, even in this time, I was using this for my glory and I had a purpose for you. Even during this, he was looking to see how you were responding to that wound and that desert and that journey. And when you responded in faith and you sought him, he carried you somewhere totally different than you thought you ever could be. You were soaring instead of just being stationary. He doesn't want you to be stationary any longer. How long has it been since you've given someone a simple invitation to join you in worship? Number one reason why people don't go to church. Here it is. They weren't invited. How can that be true, Richard? I mean, he's invited people. Several people are here because Richard and Peggy invited them. Saw them somewhere in the grocery store. They're not afraid of the gospel. They'll tell you right away. They're not afraid of somebody dejecting them either. They'll pray for that person. That's the kind of people they are. That's the kind of people that are in this church. Why is it so important that we take time to tell our story? Because it's God's most earnest dream and desire to have all of his children enjoy fellowship and relationship with him forever. Because that's the main business of the church, to be his witnesses. We have a personal responsibility to share this good news A couple of weeks ago after the the homelessness symposium, I was reminded that the Savior that I serve was homeless. The Son of Man didn't have a place to lay his head, folks. He didn't. We worship a homeless guy. Not Not sure if you know that. Jesus was a Palestinian Jew. He couldn't even afford to pay his taxes. He got betrayed by his friends. His family denied him. Oh, and that whole thing about being murdered on the cross, that wasn't very prosperous either. People said, how could the King of Kings be crucified. If your definition of a gospel is too small to include Jesus, you missed it. If you hear a sermon, if you're listening to one that doesn't include Jesus, turn off the podcast immediately. Do not listen to it. This is going to step on your toes. If you're reading anything that's not of God, stop reading it. If you're not bearing fruit for the cause of Christ, stop doing it. Then that decline of the church won't be declining anymore. It will start soaring again. Does God provide out of his providence and grace for his children? Absolutely he does. But he's waiting for you to respond to his grace and his goodness. But when you elevate one aspect of God above all others, you miss it. We must receive him wounds and all. Tell our story with Jesus You've got to tell it with Him, not without Him. That's the main business of the church. Happiness is telling your rescue story. So I've got a challenge for you today. Here it is. Either here today, outside, later today when you get home, I want you to tell at least one more, one other person your rescue story. That's the challenge. Don't wait until tomorrow or Tuesday. I want you to tell your rescue story. How God rescued you and delivered you from sin and death and despair. Put it in your own words. He'll give you the words and He'll make it where others can understand it in their hearts. I challenge you to do that today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have a rescue story to tell. It's a story that you're writing. Lord, we commit to This very day, this very moment on May 16th, 2021, that we will be your witnesses to the very ends of the earth. That our priority would be to glorify you, to tell others about you, and to enjoy you forever. Fill us with your spirit every single waking moment that we would know it's our responsibility to take your gospel, your truth, the whole gospel to a world that's struggling that has questions. And Lord, because of you, we have answers. Inspire us today. And Lord, if there's anybody in our midst today, anybody watching online, anybody outside, anybody walking by that hears this message that doesn't know your son Jesus Christ, it's my prayer right now that they would pray this prayer. If you do not know Jesus and want to know him as your Savior, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I admit that I am sinful. Even wicked at times. Forgive me of my sin and my wickedness and all the things I've done over the years that have separated me from you because you never left me, but I left you. Receive me today, Lord Jesus. I accept you into my heart as a child. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, you receive Jesus in your Christ. You're, Jesus is Christ and your Savior. You're born again. If you're online outside with us in person, tell somebody. Go and share this good news. Post it. I receive Jesus in my heart today. And watch for people to respond to you and shepherd you and disciple you and pray for you. Thanks be to God. We hope you were inspired by today's message.